So we got baby birds just chilling over by our grill. And we don't know what to do about them. So right off the bat, if you guys got advice on what to do when baby birds have been just chilling by themselves for days on end with no mother bird, I'd really appreciate it. Welcome to Valley of the Sun Sunday Scaries, episode number 23. I am your host, as always, Sean Nickel, coming at you from the beautiful Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, Arizona. So one thing that's happened during quarantine, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I've become a headband guy. I was a hat guy for, man, over a decade, and so I've slowly become a headband guy during quarantine. I don't know uh, if it will continue after quarantine, but it just uh, it's a lot easier than doing your hair or, or wearing a hat, potentially going bald one day. That's my biggest fear. So I've become a headband guy. Uh, I'm repping Northward apparel again and uh, let's get down to brass tacks this episode so i didn't want my podcast to take away from what's currently happening in our country so i took last week off in terms of promoting the podcast because i didn't want what i was doing to take away from the current issues in our country and so uh, this week i wanted to continue to amplify those voices and to continue to provide resources and just help people learn understand what's currently happening with the black lives matter movement and so i'm going to use this as an opportunity to kind of continue that another week here i was able to have my friend keith kelsey on today to talk about you know his life as an educator uh, i really wanted to find somebody that was outside of, you know, Michigan, where I'm from, uh, and just kind of provide a different perspective. So he is a fourth and fifth grade music teacher in the Baltimore school dis or school system. And so we talk a lot about, you know, what is happening, you know, in the world and what is happening in the classroom, which is something that I'm very curious about, because in my head, it's really hard to change the views of people that are already adults. But if we're going to have a, a chance or a future, you know, it's with the youth of the nation. So that's what we're going to name this episode is youth of the nation. I'm going to bring on Keith to talk about a few different issues. Uh, I pick his brain and then we end with uh, talking about something really cool that he gets to do, which is be in the marching band for the Baltimore Ravens NFL team. So I'll kick it over to Keith. We'll get this party started. All right. Welcome to Valley of the Sun Sunday Scaries episode number 23. I have Keith Kelsey, a friend of mine from college on, uh, and he is a fourth, fifth grade music teacher out in Baltimore, Maryland right now. Uh, I want to turn it over to you, Keith. You graduated from Western Michigan University. I want to kind of just kind of see what you've been doing since college, how you wound up in, in Maryland, and just kind of turn it over to you, and we'll talk about where you're at right now. Okay, yeah. Um, so I graduated in 2015. It took me a while to get out. Um, and I actually spent, I've spent my first year teaching in Michigan, in my hometown, um, Belleville, Michigan, Ann Arbor area. Okay. Um, and then after a year, um, I just wanted to, I needed to change. Um, I just needed somewhere to just grow, be myself. Um, and I actually went to a career fair at Western. We had a huge teacher career fair. We had one every spring. Um, and I spoke to districts from all over the country, people from Las Vegas, California, Arizona, um, and Baltimore County Schools, which is where I'm at right now. They kind of talked me up. So here I am now since 2016. So the reason that I wanted to kind of bring you on is you kind of fit a couple of different buckets that I was looking for, which is I have a lot of friends in education, but they're almost all in Michigan. And so mm -hmm. I wanted someone that had different perspective. And I know that you've been in Maryland for several years now. So it's a little bit different. I'm sure the school system in Maryland than it is in Michigan, I would have to mm -hmm. assume. 
Um, and you've been pretty, you know, active and vocal about what's been going on in the current state of the world. And so mm. when those two things kind of collided, you just seem like the perfect person to come on and kind of talk about a few things. And I think a lot of times we think that we have to wait for like experts in the field or people that have researched for years and years to just kind of voice their opinion on, you know, certain things, especially with what's going on in the world now. For me mm. personally, I'm more of the belief that I want to talk to people that are in the trenches that are like in your world, an educator, you're there every day, you see what's going on. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain on a couple of different things because I think it's just as important for people our age to be hearing from other people our age because mm -hmm. we're, it, we're in this weird generation where we're not like the younger kids. Like and I know that you dabbled in TikTok during, uh, during the quarantine <laughs> did, break yeah. there. <laughs> We're not yeah. necessarily, we're not like the TikTok kids or, or the younger people, but what I find fascinating about people our age is we're going to be raising the kids mm -hmm. that are going to be this next wave. And so yep. with, with you being in the same age as me, and, and that's kind of why I wanted, you fit all the buckets I wanted to bring you on. So there's a few questions I have, and I'll dive into them here in a second. Um, so here's, here's my first question about, about just where everything is right now. Okay. So I want you to kind of think back to when you were a student, what is the difference that you see in today's classroom that might be the same or might be different as when you were a student way back when? When I answer this, I'm going to answer this in the lens of the area that I grew up in, but I will say things um, this year, as far as students go, students seem more aware of what's going on. I think because I think it's because they're just so connected with technology, social media. There's they're so much more aware with what's going on in the world. Um, the students seem more just tolerant of others. I mean, you still have your high school drama, <laughs> you know, things like that. But they seem more tolerant. They seem more accepting. Um, I see a lot more. Like when I was in high school, you had the black kids hanging with the black kids, white kids with the white. You know, things were very segregated. I see a lot more mixing, you know, these days. I see um, when it comes to LGBT issues, I see a lot of lot more kids that are openly gay, trans, things like that. So things are more tolerant with um, our youth. So that's what I see that's different. Well, that's good to hear. I feel like a lot of people that are currently out there protesting to that are, are very young, like, you know, high schoolers, yes. college kids, which that brings me a lot of hope of, of the world. And I think that that's the only thing that's really going to change. But my opinion is that, I mean, it's obviously gonna be a long road before mm -hmm. things get anywhere near where they probably should be for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm mm -hmm. of the opinion that the younger generation are more tolerant and they are more aware. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where everything starts. And it sounds like that's, that's true, which is, which is good to hear. Why do you think that is? I think a big part of it is just media, social media. Really? Okay. Um, their phones, they're just, there's so much, you know, back when we were younger, we just had MySpace. That was our thing. I mean, think about this in high school, you know? the iPhone had just come out. Like the, exactly. yeah. the, the iTouch was out. So. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're just, they have more tools, more resources at their hand, you know? Um, and two, we're starting to become more, when it comes to educators, we're starting to become more comfortable talking about world issues and things like that. So, you know, these issues are coming into the classrooms. We're having these conversations. So those two things. Do you see like curriculums like changing like at all now, or is it all kind of the same stuff that we were learning when we were growing up in school? Um, it, it right now is still the same. It's still the same watered down stuff. Okay. Um, and I'm hoping that what's going on right now, I'm hoping that it's going to encourage change to happen with that. 
because we've always talked about it. Um, we've always expressed how the curriculum is false. It's watered down. Because when you know, think about the civil rights movement, you talk about that in elementary school. We're just so fixed on the peaceful movement, Martin Luther King, you study his speech, you draw, you know, color in a cute picture of his yep. face and hang it up and that's it, you're done. I'm thinking in my head right yeah. now, like a piece of paper that says, I have a dream and then you get to fill it in yeah. as, the, as, yeah. as the student. <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking they, of they that. Still do that. <laughs> they still do that. Um, and the kids, they're not really taught like the dark side of things. I don't even want to say dark because it's just the truth. Yeah. You know, and that's why we have adults now who are just so unaware and not empathetic what's going on. They can't say Black Lives Matter. They don't understand, you know. So I'm hoping that does change. Um, I hope, you know, we need to use the words like racism, prejudice, and even in elementary schools. The kids can handle it. They can do it, you know. So I'm hoping that does change. Like I'm learning out here. There's a lot of HBCUs um, out in Maryland, which I've never heard of HBCU growing up it's that's a whole another topic um <laughs> whole another conversation that'll be that'll be but, our podcast in a couple of weeks right we'll yeah, yeah. Down the road. <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean that just proves the show like your point what you just said we're just not aware of things like that um you have a lot of i have a lot of black teachers out here colleagues that have gone to hbcus and if you go to hbcu they tell me that you like they make sure you know your black history oh wow no matter what your major is you are going to leave this institution knowing your black history so these black teachers, they fully understand it. They go against the curriculum. They let their kids know anyway. Um, I have a black female teacher. She inspires me with that. I'm um, like, she doesn't hold back. She lets her kids know what's up. But as, again, as we are having these conversations, hopefully there will be more teachers waking up and, you know, encouraging that pushback to change the curriculum to make things more true. Like where can people go to research this without bias, like just getting the truth about what is going on, like in everything, like not just the Black Lives Matters, but like, you know, what's going on in education, like where do you go for the truth? Because obviously the, the world, the internet is all slanted. So I'm just curious where you right. go. I would just say, I mean, we're all connected on social media. Just first and foremost, just listen to Black voices. Just listen to them. Um, right now, there's a lot of people who are just spewing out resources and information, just take that all in. Don't take it all in at once, it's overwhelming. Um, but just kind of create a vault for yourself. Um, Ooh, I like that. Books is a great way, get a lot of books. But when, when it comes to books, I recommend, you know, we're trying to amplify black voices, get books from black authors. Cause anybody can, you know, research the facts, the history. But I think it's important for everyone to learn about the lived experiences, mm. you know, so. That's why I recommend resources from Black Voices. I'm hoping that we'll probably just keep some links like inside of the YouTube and maybe some things that you've maybe been That's researching. Yeah. I saw you've, you've yeah. posted a few things, so I think that we'll, we'll be able to use that. Yeah, yeah. So you would have arrived in Baltimore right after everything that had happened in Baltimore, right? Right, yeah, yeah. right after. Right yeah. after, okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that you probably work with some people or know some people that mm -hmm. had been around when that happened. Mm -hmm. What is their sentiment of what it was like in 2015 versus what it's like today? I will say moving out to Baltimore, um, like I had a coworker who lived in Baltimore City during, you know, the riots and everything like that. And she was in, right in front of it. Um, I will say, I'm trying to try to explain this. Um, in Baltimore, there was more, at that time, I felt a more like a heightened sense of um, what I'm looking for. 
urgency, I guess, with the, you know, like in Michigan, you know, we hear about it on the news. It doesn't hit close to home. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we hear about it. You know, we're upset about it, but it doesn't hit close to home. Whereas in Baltimore, like the Freddie Gray riot, like someone in their city got murdered by police. The police in Baltimore City has a long time reputation of being corrupt. So people, they live this their whole lives. It's, mm. you know, it's not just something you see in the news, they're living it. So things are more, it's just, tensions are higher, if that makes sense. No, for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what Minneapolis is going through, you know, the past couple of weeks that, you know, Baltimore went through the same thing a couple of years ago. So what they're feeling is what Baltimore has been feeling, if that makes sense. I was curious how, you know, because you moved to an area where it, it was pretty prevalent in, you mm-hmm. know, 2015, 2016 to where it is now, like, have you, have you heard or seen of any change in maybe this, the police force itself or like in the way life is in Baltimore, is it different now than it was in 2015 or is it still much of the same? I would I think it, it's, I think it's still the same. I and mean, that's crazy. Um, cause, cause now, yeah. cause Minneapolis is about to go through this too. And so I'm curious five years from now, when the next city happens is it yeah. going to be the same or yeah. is real change going to happen and that's the conversations that we're having right now like okay things are you know up here right now a week from now a month from now are we just going to sweep it under the rug like we do everything else mm-hmm. you know that's that's the concern we have right now so hopefully you know we because it, it's our issues is they're big it's overwhelming but hope and like there's steps we can take to you know fix this and turn things around but you just have to be persistent. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can stay persistent collectively to keep things changing and not let up, you know, because mm-hmm. it's tiring. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it, you know? For sure. No, no, that's, um, yeah, because I was, I'm, I'm always very genuinely curious about this stuff because, and especially the world we live in now with like social media and the 24 hour mm-hmm. news cycle, like right. the, fa- the fact that the current like movement has had this kind of staying power is actually really incredible because the mm-hmm. average human being like they're 24 hours and like, we're ready for the next thing. Like, you know what I mean? This is day like seven, 10, like this stuff is still on the news. I, I think that's pretty mm-hmm. powerful. I'm hoping it that, is. We'll, that we'll enact real change because like I said, the worst thing that could happen is five years from now, insert city here. And we're like, yeah, I remember five years ago in Minneapolis. And then we look at the stats from Minneapolis, like, Oh, nothing mm-hmm. changed. And then we look at the stats from Baltimore, like, Oh, this is where it all started, but oh, nothing changed. So yeah, I was mm-hmm. just kind of curious what your thoughts were on that, but it sounds like we're still, slow change if any change at all is what it sounds like yeah so the, i mean there's more urgency now which is great but hopefully we keep that momentum going that's all okay you know yeah so i grew up like i said in very 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 rural white america okay I mean, so christine and i our plan is whenever we do settle down we do want to be in a very diverse community what is what are like advice or like resources for people that maybe they, you know, it's, it's no fault to them where they live, you know? So maybe they've, they have a town that is 100% white. Like how do we just give them resources or, or give them something to be able to explain what's going on in the world? Because I feel like a lot of people that grow up in these towns, they don't understand those issues because they don't see the issues. Mm-hmm. Are you saying like, who specifically are you trying to like, I mean, it's tough. Maybe, I don't know if it's parents or what, like, I'm just thinking in my head, like, how could I have learned more about this stuff growing up without me as a 10 year old doing research? You know, like how, how do parents help pass this along to students or to kids, Mm -hmm. you know, because they might not have a black friend for 10 years, you know, based on where they Mm -hmm. live. Right. Honestly, I think that starts with the schools. Okay. And to be honest, I think, 
I believe maybe it could be a biased opinion. I believe like schools are the backbone of this country when it comes to fixing systemic system, uh, sorry, systemic racism, the schools are a great place to start. When we're trying to approach anti-racism, the schools are a great place to start, you know? Um, but then in your area, like you have, were your teachers all white? Oh, I, I, was, I was thinking about this, like, cause I've been doing the whole, hey, what grade did you have your first black teacher? When you see that right, stuff on I Twitter, that, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever had, even through college, had a black teacher i don't think so so yeah so that to answer your question no i never i never had one in, in high school right middle school, yeah. anything. so you don't have a you know you don't have a black teacher trying to encourage you know diversity things like that so it it's, it's a big i don't know it's a lot it's a big thing to tackle um but i do think the school is a you know first place to start um but as far as resources for families um Again, I think literacy is the best way to go. There's a lot of um, picture books for children. Um, there is a lot of documentaries on Netflix you can watch mm. together as a family, um, which I can send that to you, Sean. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot. Just be willing to reach out. Um, don't be afraid to ask. Um, but be careful with how you ask. Like, If you have a Black friend or Black neighbor, be cautious of how you ask. Um, because I, I say that you don't want to lean into them looking for some type of emotional support or trying to pour out, you know, your mm. baggage or any guilt you might be carrying. That's something you got to process yourself. Um, but yeah, like people just ask, what can I watch to learn about this? What books can I read? You know, what kind of, what picture books can I give my child to learn these things? People are, you know, willing to do that for you. So with, um, with your school now where you, where you, where you teach, uh, is it pretty diverse? Is it, is it more white? Is it more black? What would you say your like the current demographic of your school is? It, it's very diverse. It's a third white, a third Hispanic and a third black. Okay. <laughs> Got some so, everybody in there. Yeah. No, no. So that's good. So that's good. So th th that actually helps with my next question, which is mm -hmm. like, what, like with, especially with like the younger, younger, younger students. So what have you been seeing that like gives you hope and what have you been seeing that you're like, man, we need to fix or at least work on this. If there, if there is anything. Um, what gives me hope is just seeing those different colors of kids just interacting with each other. Um, cause you know, when it comes to racism and bias and things like that, that stuff is learned is taught, you know, and the kids are so young. They don't, they don't care about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that gives me hope, but something that is discouraging, I guess. Um, the area that I teach in, it is, um, it has a reputation. Um, and I learned about this when I moved out, um, when I moved down there. But the area is known to be very prejudiced, racist, and things like that. Um, so I do notice, like, you know, with the current administration, the big thing was immigrants. Mm. And there's been a few times where I've noticed some of the white kids making jokes, like, so the Hispanic kids, you have your green card. Mm. I've had to call that out and squash it so many times. Um, because in the kids, it's nothing internal. It's just what they're hearing. So they repeat it. Mm. And, um, you know, I educate them on that. They're receptive to it. They get it. They understand. Um, but that's only that discourages me because of the um, stereotypes of the families that's there, the white families that are there, the kids are listening to what they're saying. Um, and my, my hope is that 
as schools, we do the best we can to encourage the kids to think for themselves. When it comes to adults, they're stuck in their ways. Right. I'm kind of done with that. Like I'm that's, done. That's the camp I'm in too, man. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I you, you're not going to change, especially on social media. Like you're not going to change somebody's mind in a Facebook fight. Like it's just not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I'm like, that's why I'm like, that's why I brought you out. I'm like, we got to, the youth is the, <laughs> we gotta fix exactly. The youth. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where I'm focusing right now. So, I mean, your parents might say, you know, all lives matter. That's their beliefs. But when you're in this school, mm. we are teaching tolerance, being respectful to one another. All right. You can't change what happens at home. Um, but my hope is that at least in schools, what the kids are learning, what they're gathering, they can learn to think for themselves. You've been pretty vocal on social media. So you, when everything happened, like you were quick to start posting, here's resources, here's what's right. going, here's what's going on here, you know, and, and I think, I think a lot of people feel or think the way that you might think, but they haven't had maybe the courage to vocally take a stand, even on something as silly as social media to tell everyone where they stand. Mm-hmm. What would you tell maybe other educators in your field that they're kind of on the fence? They might think like you, but they're worried that if they post, you know, Black Lives Matter, it's going to have maybe negative repercussions on how they're viewed by other families in the school district or other teachers. Like, what would you say to somebody to give them the courage to kind of post that stuff? Um, I'm getting a lot of that because I've been talking to a lot of my colleagues this week because they're in that same boat. Hmm. Um. And it's all coming from white colleagues. They, that, the pressure's coming from them. You know, that they're the ones who experience that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I would say to that um, is just to develop your toolbox of your, what I like to call your um, clapbacks. Okay, <laughs> I, I like that. All right. You, you gather your toolbox <laughs> of clapbacks because I'll, I'll be blunt. People who think like that, they all have the same defenses. You know, we say all lives matter. Mm. Black on black crime is mm. a thing. Cops kill white people too. They all have the same resume. Just list that down and just be ready to come back with it and educate them. I have a resource on that too. Perfect. But I'll, how do you I'll res- take as many resources res- as I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you respond when somebody says all lives matter? All lives mm. matter. How do you respond when somebody says I don't see color? There, you know, if you state your opinion and you're towards the you know Black Lives Matter movement, you're supporting that. And you're white. I'm pretty sure you have family members who are, I guess, you know, against it or who just don't understand it. And um, just come up with, did they all say the same thing? I'm telling you, just come up with your list of clapbacks to educate them. Don't, you know, you don't even want to talk down to your family, but just try to educate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm at a place right now to where, because I've been doing that like since 2016, 15, when all this really started going. And it's exhausting. Yeah. It is really exhausting. I feel like I'm at this space right now. Like as a black male, it is not my responsibility to try to educate older white people. Like white people, that's your job. That's your family. Let them know. I'm tired. Mm. Yeah, no. It's so <laughs> you know? it's like we talked about earlier. Like it's not your job. You know, oppress black people. Now y'all telling us to fix it. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> What a, I mean, God, yeah. what a, what a, what a gig, what a gig we have as, right. as, as white America. It's, oh, it's, it's brutal and, and fascinating at the same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a point in my life where I would say the phrase, I don't see color. I no longer say it because like I was mm-hmm. educated. And so, um, when you said that out loud, I'm like, damn, I, you know, like five years ago, I was like, I don't see color. Cause in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I don't see, I don't see color, but now I'm like, no, I'm very aware. And I understand. And the thing is, Sean, there. like, yeah. Like, thank you for that. Like, I, and the thing is, like, we, like, you, we, I know you. Mm-hmm. If you were to say that, I know you don't mean anything against it or, you know, personally about it. 
But the thing is, you people have to open up and understand how that affects others when you say things like that. You know, when you say, I don't see color, it makes a person of color feel that, you know, you're not valuing them. You're not valuing the oppression that's going on. You're saying you don't see that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how that comes across. You may not mean that, but that's how it affects the person. I know. And that's, that's when I learned that I'm like, Oh man, like that makes yeah. complete sense. And it's like, cause it's so hard because like you said too, like, I mean, I might even said it to you at some point in my life and, and you mm-hmm. probably took it as, yeah, you know, maybe Sean doesn't see color in terms of like being a racist, but, but when you explain it like that, and that's how I learned about it five or six years ago, I'm like, dang, like right. you are not seeing the whole point of the issues that someone, and it doesn't matter if they're you know, African-American, Mexican-American, whatever it might be, by saying, I don't see color, you're not seeing the issues as a white person. And I just, I never knew that five, six years ago when, when all this kind of started to happen. And then that's why I'm doing stuff like this is because I want to learn and, and be educated because, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, like, I want to figure this out on my own. Um, I don't need to, you know, have you, you know, call me and tell me about it and just educate. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and I, I respect that, Sean. <laughs> so here's my last question, completely unrelated to all of this. Okay. How on earth did you wind up in the Baltimore Ravens? Is it a marching? Is it the, is it, the, what, what's it's it called? A, yeah. It's the Ravens marching band, NFL marching band. Um, it's only two of them in the whole NFL. Baltimore Ravens March Band came up. I could not believe like the whole March Band, NFL March Band, you, you know. So I got yeah. on the website, looked it up, applied, auditioned. I've been in the band. This will be my, oh my God, this fall, well, if there is a football season. Um, this would be my fourth season. I'm a drum major this year too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, fingers crossed if it were to happen. I mean, right, your, yeah. your dream would probably come true if you were out there playing and like Beyonce was also there. And, oh my you, God, and yeah. you were like yeah. right there. Like, yeah, I mean, that's probably the, the height of that your- That would be perfect. <laughs> or at least just take us, let's do a parade, <laughs> something like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So good. All right, well, where can people find you? Where, where can we find you on social media? We'll, we'll put this at the bottom here, but where can we find you? Where do you interact with people most? Um, I'm most, I'm heavily on Instagram. I'm at Keith K music. I'm all my social media, Keith K music, but I'm heavily, I'm more active on Instagram. Okay. More active. Cool. Mm-hmm. We'll get you on there. Well, if, if you don't have anything else, we will, uh, we'll wrap this up. We appreciate having you on. Um, and hopefully down the road, we'll be able to have you on just to kind of talk about some more of this stuff as people evolve and as everything in the world evolves, you know, hopefully in a couple months we're seeing, you know, small changes, like small wins are, are what matters for sure right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I hope that people learned a ton from this. I know that I did. We'll get all the resources out as well. Um, but thank you again, Keith, for, for coming on and, and, you know, being a, being an educator, not only as a profession, but educating me as well. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Of course. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> Boom. How do you feel awesome. you did? That was good, bro. That was, that was fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Yes, Absolutely. So I wanted to thank Keith again for coming on uh, to talk about, you know, the issues of the world and what we can do to make the younger generations just a little bit more aware, a little bit more diverse, uh, just have a different view of the world than what we had growing up. For someone like me, I I grew up in a place that was 98% white and that's not a bad thing. And I think that a lot of people out there are are thinking that because they grew up in a predominantly white area, it's like a bad thing. Uh, It just means a lot of times you weren't open to the different types of cultures of the world and And I've mentioned this like 12 different times in this podcast, but me going to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan, immersed myself in a different culture. And it gave me a different perspective of the world and a better perspective if we're going to be blunt. And not everyone's going to have that opportunity, but 
we do have the opportunity for every single classroom to engage in these conversations, to discuss what's happening in the world. Uh, and that's something that's going to have to change, you know, over the next several decades. It's going to be a very, very long process. Um, but I'm very happy with what has been happening in the world because for something to be on the news for more than two or three days going on two weeks now, it has staying power and it's keeping people engaged. It's not being swept under the rug. Uh, and this is probably the closest we've had for real change since like the 60s. So uh, I'll be out there doing what I can uh, to amplify the voice of other people, to continue to support people, to be an ally uh, in the truest form of the word. Um, I just ask that all of you just kind of take an inward reflection on yourself and you know, you, just because you are white does not make you a bad person. Just because you might have said and did things in the past, you know, growing up in a predominantly white area does not make you a bad person. Trust me, I myself uh, have thought a lot of things I've said and done in the past, and it, it's it's not it's not good. Um, but I've learned and I've grown and I'm a different person now. And so um, I just challenge all of you, like when people say black lives matter, it does not mean that other people's lives don't matter. It does not mean that you are a racist if you're white. It does not mean any of that. It just means that people of color want to have equality and specifically towards police brutality. We can see every video out there. It's, it's something that affects everybody. And so that's a long-winded rant on my end. I'm glad that Keith was able to articulate a lot better than me a lot of these points, but I don't you know, plan on this just being the last time I talk about this kind of stuff and, and you know, sweep it under the rug myself. So... Again, thank you guys all for the opportunity to have the platform to even talk about this kind of stuff. And again, welcome to the Valley of the Sun.